0: You know, I'm still, I'm still feeling awkward. (laughs) Just all, this is what happens these days. I don't know if it's where I am in my life. I don't know if if it's hormonal or what, but I say something passionately out loud, you know, on social media, and then I delete the comment. Yeah, but I'm going to let the last podcast stand because as soon as I walked away from doing the, the the podcast on Glow, I was like, "Why are you so upset, man? The fuck is wrong with you?" <clears throat> I'm going to blame it on uh, Hannah Gadsby. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen that yet, uh, don't listen to this podcast. In fact, you know, if you see these these titles, please, we're always I say spoilers in the description of all yeah. of these. We're going to tell you what happened. So. I don't know how I don't know how anybody else does it. I don't have the talent or the acumen to not spoil something and talk about it. I don't know. I, I could never be an actor on a show. I would just be like, and then the dragon dies. I would be. <laughs> I'd be sued by HBO forever. Die in poverty. Um, so if you haven't seen it, go see it. I I went to to watch it initially. And I have to be in a very specific mood to watch stand-up these days. There was a time when uh, stand-up was my career, meaning that I wrote for other stand-ups. I would punch up jokes, sell jokes, things like that, and it was my career. So I watched a lot of stand-up just to see what people were doing and to make sure I wasn't stamping on anybody else's material and and not have my guy or my girl I was writing for get accused of like ripping things off because it's in the atmosphere. It's in the ether, right? So. I just used to watch it just like people would like read the trades and whatever. And then when I stopped doing that, I it takes me a, I just it feels like work or something. And I don't want to invest my time. I don't know why I feel this way about stand up. And I know of Hannah Gadsby's work. I'd seen a couple of her bits in the past, and I liked her just fine. Um, but I wasn't just in the mood for it. And converse to what I just said in the last podcast, I don't well, but now actually, to agree with what I just said in the last podcast, I don't really like to bathe in uh, the craziness. I'm trying to, um, right now in this whole stretch, rest up my horses for uh, the more important fights and to understand the actual threats. That are going yeah. on. And not just knee-jerk and like everybody goes, we should be mad about blah, blah, blah. There's some things we should obviously be mad about. Separating families, we should be pissed off about. You know, and if you're a good, caring person, you should be upset about that. I get it. It's deterring people, blah, blah, blah. There's Things we can obviously be upset about. But just being like in the state of being pissed off, no. So I didn't know if I wanted to do this. I had no idea what was going to transpire. Did you? Because I read nothing about it. I just know that everybody was talking about Nanette.
1: No, I, I hadn't, um, and actually, I hadn't. You know, never heard of
0: Hannah. Um, um, you had never seen her stuff, no. so you know, I knew she was good, and I knew that she was very. She's very charming. I like her. She's a person that you do want to just you want to chill with. She's my kind of comedian. I like her. Um, and the show is very clever. Uh, it is a Trojan horse. You, the opening is not some slick. You know, whoever does the openings for comedy specials, I don't want to take anybody's dinner off their table, but they're a very specific kind of type of thing, you know, and the sets are a very specific kind of type of thing. You know, there's an art and a mentality to it, but this was very unusual seeing her make tea, not unlike, it reminded me of N.Z. Zanzari's stand up in the past, the most recent, where it comes from a subtle place. She's making tea with her two dogs. And you're thinking, oh, what a lovely person. She's sitting on her little couch with her dogs and she's having tea or she's making tea for them. I think it ends with them on the couch.
1: We're going to have a a good laugh. We're going to have a good time. We're going to sit
0: down. She's inviting you into her home, into her space. And she again immediately starts telling us about she was going to do this entire show about uh, a woman she met named Nanette. She met her in a cafe. and, And for 40 minutes, Hannah does what we expect her to do she does comedy and she talks about being gay and being from tasmania where it's illegal and her formative years where they wanted you to get the fuck up out of there you know she got a letter i think saying as much like get the fuck up out of here she didn't come out to her grandmother because she just she ultimately tells us you know i didn't feel like i could do that um And then it dive bombs into something that um, I had no idea was coming. And I honestly almost blacked out from crying for the last 20 minutes of this thing. Because I related to it so much. Not because I'm a gay woman. I'm a cisgendered, well, no one's really straight. I'm probably a bisexual woman if I had to be but I also always wanted to be a dude growing up. So there's probably a whole lot going on in my head. And I'm just, you know, I'm a from a generation where we don't really think about it too much. And if I thought about it too much, I'd probably be on a lot of other spectrums, right? Maybe that's why I also relate to it. But I just relate to it on just such a human level because she makes her case in such a beautiful way that it's undeniable. Even if you're a raging homophobe, she makes a pretty undeniable case about being able to tell your own story and being honest about that story and being able to address that trauma. I have to say, it's going to probably go down in, in comedy history for a lot of reasons. Even if you're a hater, she invites you into a conversation. We're going to have a yeah. nice chat. And then she drops a firebomb on the room. She goes after herself. She goes after her community. Our community, I'll own it because I do believe, you know, I believe I live in that community as well. She goes after art. <laughs> the most bizarre thing. I'm sitting here going, we're learning about Cubanism and we're learning about um, Van Gogh and his. Mental illness and how he was medicated. We learned so many things. I'm not going to relive the routine for you because Hannah does it so beautifully, and I could never do it justice. Yeah.
1: And and just like in, in the in the, the 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 way that you know uh, comedians will and and you you know I, I was never really exposed to it, but since we've been together, you've been you've been telling me techniques and how and watching for things and how she sets this thing up. Yeah. And how she brilliantly, you know, sets up where she's going to go. Yeah. She tells you where she's going to go and how she's going to do it. And then when you get there, you're just. You're still surprised. You're surprised and you just, you're just you just stuck listening and you've just been stripped bare. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. I'm emotional even talking about it.
1: I was in, I was in the other room trying to, you know, you know, roll out my own uh, sushi roll, you know, just making a, you
0: know, and and I was crying,
1: listening to it going, oh my God, this is, this is raw. And her, she was, her, her passion and the way she communicated with her voice, it was like, you know, you know, our last conversation was, was glow and we said, if you're gonna do it, do it with passion and conviction, and and communicate.
0: And I think they did. I think they did.
1: Yes, yeah. But the way the way it was in in the net was just it was all out there. And like and it, it,
0: I, well, I said, it's in the. I said this about Glow. It's a two parter, guys. <laughs> this one will be much more enjoyable if you listen to the last one, or maybe not, because I kind of shit on stuff, and I I broke my rule of don't do uh, don't do podcasts and reviews and write pieces about stuff if you don't like it, because I don't know. It's a personal philosophy. I just i have a long time had a um, back growing up. I don't have a thing for critics. I don't really, I don't like critics. I don't, who are you to sit here and tell me to like something? Who are you to sit here and give it three stars? I may give it all the stars. I may not ever want to watch it again. So don't tell me what to like and don't tell me how to feel about it. So I find that criticism of that, just being fucking negative, is, is lazy. And, and But I did the last podcast because I felt a very certain type of way in my expectation of the sultans who made that show and how much I look up to women like that. So I was disappointed. But I also understand that people will come for me and go, you missed the point or you didn't see it or maybe watch it again. And I will say, um, yes, I will probably agree with you all day long. But what it did do is it set me up for – I started Glow, stopped down, watched Nanette, and it bubbled some things up inside of me. The show does. I think it did for a lot of people. About not just where we are with our current political world, all over the world, but just how we get frozen in the past. And I know this from writing jokes about comedy. I do it myself personally, where you we used to call it. It's still a thing. Gallows humor. We had it in the newsroom coming up when something was so horrible to be able to function, to do your job, um, some people participated in gallows humor i kind of would do it i'd say 50 percent of the time because it would just be so fucking terrible like about a plane crash i heard some old grizzled veteran say you know what they say about twa no matter what seat you get on the plane you always end up in first class because it nose into the everglades mm-hmm. i don't remember going to smoke that day because i was a two-pack-a-day person going what the fuck man and i think it was about the third time that we covered a story of you know someone killing themselves and their entire family that I was like, I get it. If I don't, if I don't try to find the humor in this, and I know that sounds really horrific. If I don't try to find some kind of something about this, I am going to blow my brains out. And people who work in news, this is why I have such sympathy for them. They're not just sitting around sharpening their their knives. The real journalist of the world, guys, I'm not talking about the propagandists, don't sit around and go, oh, wow, how can I fuck up the world today? They're just trying to find like good cops and good firemen. Well, there's no such thing as a bad fireman. They're putting out a fucking fire. Um, They're trying to do their jobs and they're trying to cope. What happens with comedians? It's almost the same kind of uh, hazard that goes with the job is that you take you're taught, you're told, and you know it works to take a trauma from your life and to spin it into comedy gold because we all come there for, as she calls it, what is the word she used for She's her?
1: In, she, says, she says it's the, uh, the human condition.
0: The tension.
1: Oh, tension, yeah.
0: As you were saying. And she knew what the tension was because she was the tension. Yeah. And in trauma and I would give a lot of my jokes about my personal shit to, say, a comedian and go, hey, let's shape this into something. Or they would have their own trauma. And we'd find the, the oh, fuck, that is so raw and so crazy moment of it that your audience is just going to be sitting there galvanized but also laughing despite themselves. I go back to, like, uh, literally that first – it was about seven days after 9-11. I'm in Chicago. Um, I was around that crew there, Second City. I was invited to a showcase. Just a bunch of us were invited to come in and like try something out because nobody knew how to make jokes. We all, we didn't know how, Letterman wasn't even on it. Like nobody knew how to make jokes. Like we just kind of all stopped for a few days and went, what the fuck, how do we do anything again? Yeah. And I remember them coming out and like, they had a, they had a dude who was, um, I want to say he was from Armenia. He was Armenian descent and he was playing like a cab driver. And he was blasting Lee Greed ones coming to America, and he had his whole cab decorated. This is all room prop. You have to imagine this. We were imagining his whole car is just like decked out and coming to America. And you had to realize that in Chicago at this time, days before this, that a cab driver was pulled out of his cab and killed in the wake of 9-11. And they were telling these jokes. And this guy being super nervous about just going out of his way to love America so he could, like, not be killed. And then they did a Friday's crew coming out with all their flair, trying to sing a birthday song. And it was so raw and so crazy. It was brilliant. And I feel like what Hannah Gatsby's doing is that, <sighs> It's, it feels like nine eleven has is happening, you know? And she's talking about so much of this shit that we're trying to spin into jokes every day. I see it on Twitter. There's some brilliant comedy on Twitter. And I often think, how will they be able to capture this and put it in history books? That the That this regime just passed this draconian, evil fucking piece of legislature that's separating families at the border and they don't even have a way to put them back together again now they're doing dna tests to put families back together but we know that there's blended families all over the place and then there's people who have all these jokes about it because it's so fucking horrible how will we be able to go back in the past and just tell people how bad it was Will that even matter? Because we have Holocaust survivors who are telling us how fucking horrible it was.
1: And people are denying it.
0: And yet here we are rolling on and doing horrible shit. Does it even matter? Gatsby, Hannah Gatsby tells us that she wants to control her story. She's always told this story about a bus stop where she was hitting on a woman. And her boyfriend came up and said, "Oi," you know, calls her a faggot, mistakes her for a man. Realizes she's a woman because the girlfriend says, no, 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 it's a it's a woman. He walks away initially. He goes, oh, I don't hit women. And then her whole joke is, you know, I don't hit women. There's this sort of like ironic spin that she does on this joke in the moment. And later on, we come back around to where that's not actually where it stopped. He actually came back and said, you're a lady faggot and beat the shit out of her. And she didn't even go to the hospital because she didn't think she was worth it. She's been raped when she was young, molested as a young person at 17, her prime. She talks about this whole thing about Picasso's lover who was 17 in her prime when he was 42. And then she ties it to being raped in her 20s by two men. And she talks about this in a way that it doesn't matter who you are that you can relate to
1: that's that's the the brilliance of it is that she has been able and she says it and she explains it to you she's like this is the human condition mm. and she takes her experience and you listen to it and like I said earlier you are just you're you're bare this is you relate so much to what she's talking about and you feel the pain and it's it's you you just You are, uh, you're just paralyzed. And not just
0: for myself. She asked those, she asked, you know, white males in the room, straight white men. You know, we, this is how we've always felt. People are, she's afraid to be in a room with men. You know, after my experience, I think I, I don't think I was afraid to uh, be in a room of men. I was afraid to be alone with certain types of men. Um, but what happened to me was I turned into the angriest person in the world and I'm still dealing with that fallout. I galvanized myself so badly that it's taken well into my fifties to unfurl my fists. And I'm, I don't think I'm still even able to do it. So with her and as she's talking to us, she does this thing that is, it's crazy. She she starts telling us early on, I need to get out of comedy Because I'm freezing this trauma at this place and I'm stuck in my adolescence and I'm not able to move on and I need to tell my story and I need to tell the story in a way that's true, that helps me evolve, that that heals me and she gets very fucking angry, very succinct and angry And she goes to apologize, but then she doesn't. And then she ends with, but I refuse to spread hate. I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to to get into that trauma. I'm going to tell you how it all ends. And we're going to go to there. We're going to go past that frozen point. But I'm not going to spread this in a way. I think she doesn't even know what she's sure about. That's this whole joke about, you know, I have like this art history degree. Although she brilliantly uses it in her routine. Um, the whole piece about Van Gogh and, and all that stuff and medication is, is beautiful and how she fucking hates Picasso. And I tend to agree with her. I have always called bullshit on it. Um, for the same reasons, by the way. We were having these conversations the other day, me and a, a good friend of mine who's an artist. And he asked very sincerely, he's uh he's a pansexual man who's beautiful heart. He's a great artist and writer, and he said to me, But can we separate the art from the person? And um, I don't think so. And I think that that was striking me about this. We can't pull the sunflowers away from Van Gogh and go, they're just beautiful flowers They're part of who he was or part of his trauma. And when you know somebody is a bad person, a rapist has intentionally hurt people. Can you participate? I don't, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing she's saying about herself. I can no longer participate in my own self trauma. Her whole, her whole career has been built around self deprecation. That abusive relationship Do I relate to this in spades? Oh, my God. I still do it so – I don't even know that I do it. I have people correct me and go, no, you really don't hate yourself, do you? You really don't think that about yourself. It's so built into my own personal – I call it the the in-the-room sense of humor – that I do it so casually myself, hate myself, abuse. And I was just sitting here going, holy shit. Holy shit. I've frozen myself in time as well to the fat kid, the person who was raped, the, you know, not pretty enough, blah, 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 all those things. And again, she, I'll say what she said. I am not a victim. I never saw myself as a victim. No. Uh, I don't know. I talk about things because I, I feel it's better. Uh, it's like a fart. It's better out than in. You know, you hold that shit in. It's very painful. Yeah. He really is super fucking painful. And I have found some release over the years by going, yes, it happened to me too. And no one can come along and go, I know a secret. I don't have that secret. That's not a secret to me. That's not a secret to people. You can't hurt me with it. There's other things too. I don't want to go run out in the street and tell all of my fucking business. But to me, it's like come somebody come to me and said, you hurt me. You did this in the past and blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Yep. And that doesn't necessarily always equal healing either. Some people just, they need to hate you for the rest of their lives. And I get it, you know. I don't think I agree with a lot of modern psychology about some of these things. I do believe a little bit in cognitive therapy. I do believe that when Hannah is doing this, I think it's the beginning. I think we're seeing the beginning of a journey. And I could see when she was walking off the stage, when she came back out the second time, she she had this, like, look on her face, like, wow, I just stood on stage and dropped a bomb on myself in this entire room. That blew me away. Blew me away. And, And in
1: doing so, it helped. Not only her, but it helped all of us.
0: Yeah, I guess. It also, you know, kind of opened up some fucking wounds that I thought were closed. So. Yeah. Well, that's, it's like it rains and you find out your house leaks. Yeah. You know, thank God for the rain. Maybe not. I was comfortable sitting in my house where it was fucking dry watching my TV. And now I got to get up and go over here and worry about fixing this fucking roof.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: It's that too. Yeah. You it's know, that too. I don't always think that this is a good thing. I mean, ultimately, I'm going to always say I'm glad I did it, but it also fucking sucks to have wounds opened. I'm not mad at Hannah. Hannah! I just... (laughs) Damn it, Hannah, for telling the truth. I just think, fuck, you know. Not that I have any grand ideas that I'm completely got my shit together. I'm way far from it. It's very hard to have your shit together. I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> that
1: means you're holding your shit. <laughs> really, do you want to do that?
0: Right. Let Som- it go sometimes. sometimes. you want to just, yeah, sometimes you, you know, and again, it's like, so opening wounds, people people throw around phrases all the time. We'll talk about it and will make you feel better. I can tell you uh, there have been so many cases in my life, I would say about 80% of the time, where that is not true. I talked about this in something I wrote for um, one of the publications I write for, uh, Screenwriting U Magazine, and... One of the articles I wrote was mining your life for stories and how you're taught when you're, when you're coming up and writing um, so many times to tell your truth and mine your life for truth. And i got to tell you, I've seen it not work out for people. Now your guts are out in the street. Now your shit's out in the street. And that's all people remember about you. And then the trauma is just always there. And exactly what Hannah's talking about, you're frozen in time. So my thing was pondering, not telling people to do or not to mind their truth, but to go, hey, here's where I'm coming from. There's something that happened to me in the past. It would be a great story to tell. Not any of the things I've talked about on this podcast. There's things I just don't want to talk about. But do I want to go mine this for a good story? Yeah, it'll be a oh, wow. And it'll be out there for a brief history in time. Let's just say it turned into like the best-selling movie of all time, which is very far from even what could possibly happen because I'm a nobody. But let's just say it goes out there and it's like the biggest movie of all time for that year. And then... It falls to the back of Netflix. It's somewhere on HBO. People have consumed it and moved on.
1: Yeah. Over time, it's going to.
0: And then every time I meet you, they're talking about that thing that happened to you. Yeah. I was just pondering that thing. And where Hannah is doing it is from the reverse. It's like, I have been keeping this here, keeping this here, keeping this here, keeping this here. And now I'm ready to move forward. And keep going. And I don't think she's sure where she's headed, and that's what makes this so. I hate to toss around this fucking word. I hate it so bad. Brave. Yeah. No. That's no. that was the just the 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 sheer courageousness of what she did. Hey, man, even if you fucking hate her, just stand in a room where people paid tickets to come there thinking that they were going to get this Hannah Gadsby. They were going to get her normal, quaint, cool, topical humor and get this. I mean, I feel like a lot of people were they weren't applauding in places where they should be. I think some people got pissed off. Some people felt attacked. Maybe some people felt like I did. It's like, I'm so glad that I'm witnessing this, but man, I really just didn't need to know that my roof leaked. So there's all kinds of ways to feel about it, but it was a hell of a thing to witness. And to be able to address it, and again, everybody's jockeying for this position. This is what I'm seeing in entertainment, seeing this in music, and seeing this in a lot of things. We're all trying to find out, like we're trying to make our mark, and this is what we were doing when Trump was in power. These are the jokes we were telling. This is what we were doing, where there's this piece, which is, this is just how we're having to fucking deal with it. You know? She doesn't have a whole lot of Trump zingers. There's rage in there. There's pain in there. There's a kind of like, oh, I'm fucking myself as I speak. What am I actually going to do after this? And does Hannah want to sit here and talk about her trauma over and over and over again? How long does she want to tell this story now this way, this new to us, old to her painful way? I hope she gets some healing out of it. Yeah. I'm not saying she would have not. Oh, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that Hannah should have never said any of this. I'm saying this is awesome. Yeah. But this is also pretty fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. That now we know the other side of that bus stop. And that's that's just. There's no fucking words for that. That you don't feel like you're worthy enough to get care after being beaten up. And I know that feeling very well. A lot of people know that feeling very well. It's one of these things where we're in an era, too, where this this kind of shit's happened all along in art. Um, but I remember kind of re- things that remind me of this is like in the 70s. There are all these like, really fucked up, dark films about real shit that happened. Um, I don't know if it's it, it holds up. I haven't seen it in a long time, but Serpico, when it came out, it's like... Serpico? We all would go to the movies to be entertained by stuff like the the, the Walking Tall, the Buford Pusser story about a real-life guy who's, like, murdered. He's law enforcement that goes rogue against, like, the corruption. And everybody's like, oh, that was entertaining. And then you go see Serpico about a cop that also, you know, starts telling the truth and gets totally fucked up and... You know, people who like, I guess when you go see Goodfellas, it's so stylized. You don't feel it like it's not a gut punch. But I feel like we're in a time, and maybe I'm saying this wrong just because, you know, you're in the time that you're in. It's hard to look back and then have some kind of context until all of those things have passed. But there's a lot of visceral shit out there now. There's a lot of dark stuff out there, you know. A lot of dark stuff that's becoming very popular. Like, this is America. Donald Glover. Everybody's, it's an anthem. Everybody's like, oh, yay! And I'm like, this is about, like, being brutalized as a black person and being shot in the streets. And the this, the what's going on in the black community. And, and trust me, I'm not even going to begin to start talking about that song because it's been so broken up. I mean, and, and broken down. And, and people are dissecting it. I, it. Far from me. I'm not qualified. But I'm just saying we're in a place where there's so much shit out there that's just dark as fuck. Um, that if you're looking for entertainment or an escape, you know, that's why people are hugging up on their, their network shows. I do not begrudge anybody.
1: Yeah, that, and that's a good point. That's to love why, their bachelor,
0: love yeah. their bachelorette. Those people just love that stuff. They need to escape. I, so I don't shit on people who love yeah. that kind of TV. I get it. I get it. And some days I'm like, we're going to do a podcast here and a little bit after we do this one. We're going to do Jersey Shore, you know. I, when I watched that show, I was so calmed down. And the only thing you have to worry about on Jersey Shore is, is Ron or, or Snooki going to get alcohol poisoning? And what's going to happen with Mike? Is he actually going to see jail time? That's the worst thing you're going to think about, you know. And that is a relief. But when you're watching something like this, and again, I said something like this, like this happens all the time. I think this is a rare moment. It's like Tig Notaro's, um bit when she first, you know, is telling us about cancer at Largo. It's like one of those things where you're just like, we won't be at this time anytime soon. This is a rare moment where somebody let us in and told us what they were thinking. I'm not going to compare it to... I can't can't compare her to Pryor. What I can say that makes me feel why he comes to mind is Pryor didn't come out and do bits. He talked to you. He talked to you about where he was in his life, and he was a master at it. And he he could fuck you up just by talking about where he was. And you would think like some people peak and they get famous and then their act turns to shit. Because how are we going to relate to a millionaire who doesn't know the price of milk, who's short up in his house with cocaine and doing blow off of hookers asses, you know, or whatever you're, whatever you do with your money. I don't know. I've never had that much money. Uh, For me, I just think I'd probably be able to just, you know, what would I do with a lot of money? I don't know. Um, I'd probably buy all the first run movies ever. (laughs) Just like not even worried about the rental price. But, like, Pryor would just talk to you about where he was, and he was – it just kind of reminded me a little bit of that. I'm not the same the same comedians. I'm not trying to invite controversy over that or debate about this comedian versus that comedian. Everybody has their story to tell. But it just reminded me of, like, how I would feel when I was watching Pryor, you know. And Carlin sometimes – a couple of others where you're just like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Oh, this is the truth. There's not anything to laugh at here, folks. Just a human being standing in front of you relating to you. Chappelle can do that too. There's a lot of people out there who can do that. But just just to open up a vein like this, I think is uh there is one word I mean that people throw around, but this is truth. This was generous of Hannah. For us, for herself. Um, I mean, it was very risky. But I, I appreciate her for doing this. Yeah.
1: There, yeah, There's an appreciation.
0: I feel like we should have music in this podcast sometimes. Um, like I would have ironic music playing just now when I was like getting all emotional. Like maybe the Benny Hill theme. Just to sort of um, lighten the fucking mood. Um, It's not a light thing. But somebody was saying, and again, we have all these people who try to tell you how to feel on Twitter. My favorite thing about Twitter. You shouldn't be looking for an escape. You should like, you know, it's like people want to go lynch all the people who didn't vote. Um, People who want to lynch all the people who voted for Jill Stein and all this kind of shit, you know, like, like it matters now. But, like, you know, you shouldn't be looking for things to escape from. All, all of your shows should be about this stuff. No, man, I don't think I can watch Hannah do this again next week. I'm not saying I'm not here for her. I'm just saying she knew and we all knew that it took a lot to get here. I'm going to sit with this and then I'm going to go try to watch Flora Bama on MTV. I'm going to try to go maybe watch something that's different from this and get my mind off of it because I can't do this show and then Handmaid's Tale (laughs) and then watch Rachel Maddow and then, you know, just, I can't live there. I can't, and it's not that I'm running away from anything, but I got to save my fucking energy for the, the few things that I am able to do that will actually have any fucking difference in this world. But yeah, I have to say that the way I came away from it is it opened up some things in me and I was like, great. I should go to therapy. But I don't believe in therapy. Maybe that's what this podcast is. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to you. And we're talking to the people who listen to this podcast. Do I feel relieved when it's over? No, mostly I just feel like, oh man, I listen to it and cringe sometimes when I listen back. I listen to the quality of it because I'm, I'm, we're totally, you and I are about the sound quality. But I listen to it and think, you know, what, what must people be thinking? And I feel very vulnerable sharing the stuff that I have shared, but I also just can't not do it. You know, perhaps I should be more guarded. You know, what do you think about that? No, well, you're not a big open sharer. Person. No, I'm not. So you know, like you'd rather just keep it like that.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't blame you. It's probably smarter. It's like why I don't go and why I don't engage in social media battles.
1: That's but it's, it's shouting into a hole.
0: It is. Yeah. You know, you don't win a Facebook argument, and um, people also tend to say the same, left or right. Um, people tend to say the same it's the same insults over and over and over again. Misspelled insulted each other. And then the people who correct the grammar are the grammar Nazis. Better than an actual Nazi. It's just like the same it's the same put down. So even we're not even like doing anything new in our everybody's banging their own gongs. Uh and then there's the people that I actually admire some people on the right and some people on the left and some people who wherever the middle is falling these days and the purgatory that is the middle even those people have gotten like insanely shrill i haven't hannah talks about um feedback from the community in the show and then she talks about some man who wanders up to her after a show and says you know You shouldn't worry about your medication. You know, don't take a medication. You're an artist. And then she goes on this beautiful kind of tirade about, uh, not tirade, but she illustrates her point about Van Gogh. You know, it's probably my favorite part of the set. And I think about that feedback. And I think about how, unless I'm asking you, I really don't want to know what you think. I never read the comments. I don't want to read the comments about the special. I I thought about, well, what is everybody saying about it? All I heard was like people were just saying, you should watch it. That's all I paid attention to. But I think I'm not interested in in watching people try to dismantle something that took a lot of guts to do. I'm not interested in anyone's hot take on it, which is ironic because we're doing a podcast on our hot take about it. So I get the irony of what I just said. But I don't need to go any further than my own mind to know what I thought about it. And I think what she did was a lot of a lot of things.
1: Yeah. The only thing we could say is you should see it.
0: You might want to be in a good place. <laughs> you know, I'll say that. You might want to be in a good place. Um Wow, is this the first time I've weeped this much on a podcast? It might be. I th- I know I've gotten emotional before, but this is the first time on the podcast that I think of gotten sniffly. I would apologize for that, but that's just... That would be silly. I'm a human being. Uh, we could gather, We have good stuff coming. The next two are not going to be a bummer, bummer. I swear to God. Last one was Soapbox. This one was like, you know... I was like in a fetal position. Uh, next one, we're going to talk about something that... A show that came out of nowhere. We know we're late to the party. But we're going to talk about something that we absolutely... Uh, came out of nowhere and we loved... So I want to say one thing about what's going on on Twitter that's uh, been my favorite thing around the 4th of July. I think it was Alex Jones. It might have been him. Uh, one of those, those red-faced, about-to-stroke-out dudes uh, said that there was going to be some sort of revolution on the 4th of July. I love how people think these things are going to happen, like the rapture, the end of the world, and there's going to be um, a, a big left-wing revolution and there was all these people who were doing like second civil war tweets some of my favorite comedy that's happened of of late is just go look up the hashtag second civil war people have been hilarious they're writing like letters from the front like you would like ken burns style um on twitter they've been my favorite things and all my my comedy writer friends have just been killing it it's been great shit but I just want to just say to the people on the right, if you think that we have our shit together like that, you guys, I don't know. I think you're giving us way too much credit. Uh, we're still fighting over Bernie Sanders, man. We're still fighting over Bernie didn't, you know, get a shot in what the DNC did to him. So I don't, I'm don't—I'm going to tell you, y'all, y'all giving us way too much credit. You know, we just, you know, we still, we're still, we, we won the war on Christmas. Uh, yeah, we just, we're just we still gloating over that one. Uh Making y'all say happy holidays and shit. We're gloating like the fuck over that one, you know. They're
1: propaganda. They just don't. It, it, they, it's obvious they don't even have to think
0: about what they're putting out there. Well, what I'm saying is, that like, can we just want to laugh that off? I'm not. But I'm just saying, just just to be, I want to just tell you guys, we just we're not that organized. You know, we're just we're still fighting over like if avocado toast should continue on, and how much kale do you really need to eat, and and shit like that, where we're arguing over if if you know i don't wear a helmet when i'm riding the bird because it will mess up like my outfit so when we work out all that shit we're coming for you we're going to rent up all your guns and we're going to make you all gay and you're all going to be on queer eye and everyone's going to be committing sodomy it's going to be that's that's the big plan that we're trying to get to there will be no borders everybody's going to come and steal your jobs and um and everybody's going to be um plaid we're all gonna be like a not even brown we're all just gonna be plaid the plan is by like 2075 there's just there's one melded blended race so i kind of gave up like from our secret headquarters i hope i'm not like you know kicked out of the club but those are those are our big secrets just thought i'd share, share that with you guys um okay i'm gonna go lighten the hell up and um Go run around in some sunshine and celebrate with our, uh, our new truck. We keep looking out the window going, (gasps) there it is. So, uh, you guys take care of yourself. I always like to tell you, try to find a way to be kind. It's not always easy. Maybe just don't say anything. Walk away, walk away. That's not too bad.